0: I can't see giving up on looking for work. Doesn't even seem like a viable option.
1: Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Waltz.
2: And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Today is Monday, January 11th, and that was a job seeker named Julia Drake, you heard at the top, talking about how hard it is to find a job after going back to school. On the show today, doing the credit card industry's dirty work on commission, we'll get the inside scoop on the life of a third-party debt collector.
1: But not before we give our Planet Money indicator today is 18%, which, Alex, is the number by which China's exports grew in December. Chinese export figures have been declining for over a year. December was the first month to show growth, and the growth was pretty positive, 18%, which tells us the world is once again buying Chinese toys and shoes and electronics. So it's a good sign for the global economy.
2: I got one word for that indicator, Hannah. Boring. (laughs)
1: You're going to go and insult the indicator I chose.
2: I don't think it's a good indicator, especially because there's a much better indicator
1: from China. Let's hear it.
2: My indicator would be, if you were going to, you know, if I had anything to do with this, uh, would be 56%. And that is how much Chinese imports grew last month.
1: Ooh, big, shiny number.
2: Right. China makes the stuff, we buy it. That's how it used to work anyway. Um, Now it seems that China is able to take the money it makes selling stuff to us and use it to buy stuff themselves. They're not buying toys and shoes necessarily, but they are buying raw materials to build roads and infrastructure and invest in Chinese businesses. They're also putting this economic stimulus money into lots of other stuff.
1: And, and most economists you know, have spent the last several decades warning us about this relationship with China, that basically China was doing all the saving for the entire world, or or at least for us in the U.S., so, so they were essentially lending us the money to buy the things that they make. But things work better when we save money ourselves, save a little bit ourselves. And when China spends a little more of what it saves itself, you know, otherwise we're in danger of a massive, easy credit-fueled debt bubble.
2: Well, let's hope that never happens.
1: Yes, let's pray.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, wait, it did happen. (laughs) Which brings us to the subject of today's podcast. Uh, Partly as a result of trade imbalances with China, the last decade saw a sort of unprecedented expansion of credit, which to most of us... Regular civilians took the form of waves and waves and waves of direct mail from credit card companies, begging us to open a new card and to borrow more money.
1: <laughs> Which is why my mailman friend blames China for everybody hating her. <laughs> um, now, of course, a lot of people are having trouble paying off their cards, and credit card companies are also having trouble collecting. And, and this is actually what you heard some about from a guy that you talked to, Alex, named John Goble.
2: Right, John Goebel works as a third-party debt collector. He works at a third-party debt collection agency. And this is the way it works. Okay. So, Hannah, let's say, um, hypothetically, because I know this is not true, you, are, you have borrowed $10,000 on your credit card <laughs> and you haven't paid in 210 days.
1: That is not true.
2: Okay. So now that we've established that that's true, here's what the <laughs> credit card company does. They um, take your credit card um, and they've, they've been trying to collect from you and they've said, oh, forget it. So they, they turn your whole account over to an agency called a third-party debt collection they agency. They just
1: give up. They stop mailing me things and calling. They, they just say up. I'm not worth it.
2: Yeah, and they turn it over. Let's say I run a debt collection, third-party debt collection agency. I would say to the credit card company, hey, I will buy Hanna's debt off of your hands, that $10,000. I'll give you $100 or $10 for it. And then... They'll say, fine, take it, and then I will try – then it'll be my job to try to get as much money from you as I can.
1: So now you're going to start nagging me with phone I would start nagging
2: letters. you. Well, not me, but somebody that I employ. For example, this guy John Goebel. That's where he comes in. He is one of dozens of people who works at this one third-party debt collection agency. I didn't want to give their name. He's still employed there. Um, and uh, his job is basically he's trying to get money from people who haven't paid their credit card companies in over half a year. Um, now – John got this job while he was still in college. He worked full-time then. Now he works part-time. Uh, so two or three evenings a week after his day job ends, he walks into his cubicle at the third-party debt collection agency, dons his customer service headset, and takes a seat at his desk where there is a specialized machine sitting there.
0: There's uh, what's called an automated dialer. It's a predictive dialer. Um, it's going to call a whole bunch of numbers at one time. And it's when people pick up, it's going to connect those people to me. So if it's busy... Um, connects to voicemail, no answer, uh, wrong number, disconnected number. The idea is that it filters all those out. Mm-hmm. So the ones that get through, ideally, they get connected to somebody. And then the, my, headset, my headset beeps, and you're there, and your account's in front of me. And I have to get you to pay.
2: What is that like when you get somebody on the phone? What do you what do? You do? Uh,
0: well, basically, there's, there's quality control things that I have to do. So I have to say who I am, mm-hmm. who I'm with. And I have to say that I'm calling to collect the debt and that anything I you tell me is going to be used for that purpose. So, then it's a f- script that we would say there. Um, once and I'm imagining that happened,
2: by the time you get to that point, there's a, generally a click, right?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of hang-ups. There's a lot of um, swearing. There's a lot of yelling. Um, not everybody, but a <laughs> good proportion of them. <laughs> um, so assuming you get past that, I mean, at first there's a script. And as you're saying the script, you're kind of looking at the account. You're getting the details. You're going through the notes. And then once you, once you complete that script, you know, it's it's fair game. Anything can happen.
2: So what kind of – once you get past the swearing and the hang-ups and you get right. through your script, mm-hmm. how does it break down? What do people generally – What how do people generally behave? What What's – you know, give me a couple of examples of what happens. Uh,
0: you know, most people, it's – a lot of people are unemployed right now, especially what I do. On, the cards that I service, they're largely subprime. Um, so these people, they're generally unemployed, um, a lot of health issues. Um, and or just not make enough money underemployed. So those are the general things. And, you know, it's those are hard enough to collect on as it is. You have to convince them that whatever little portion they can give you is worth it somehow to them. Um, and you can say, hey, it's going to start to improve your credit, or maybe I can get you on some sort of program that we're going to pay this off within a year or two. You know, and, and sometimes it's just, you know, they can't do anything. They're going to – if they're nice, they'll t- sit there and tell you their life story, which isn't really good for anybody because – I'd rather get on my next call is going to pay me Um, and if they're not nice um, they'll do anything from more swearing um, maybe they'll give their phone to their kid and have their kid talk to me Uh, you know maybe they'll give it to their angry husband you know anything could happen
2: wait somebody gave gave the phone to their kid and
0: had it happens all the time they'll have their kids answer the phone and I've had people in the background say say I'm not here or tell them to go to hell and they'll have what sound like six year olds saying this? I mean, it's some pretty gruesome stuff.
2: I mean, do you remember a, a call that where where somebody was like, were the angriest or the most venomous or the or the most? I don't
0: know. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it's nothing you can repeat on the radio. Go know. ahead. We'll be. It. <laughs> okay, um, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of f words. A lot of. And, and it's just you sit there and you go, you know, the, your first reaction is just instant anger. Just you want to reach through the phone and grab them. Like, how could you say this to a complete stranger?
2: What percentage of your day is anger? What percentage of your day is crying? What percentage of your, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like what, what? Break it down. Is it like,
0: uh, oh, I would say maybe sixty percent anger, like um, yelling, cursing. Yeah, if not more, maybe seventy five. Um, 10 or 20% um, just complete apathy, don't care, we'll play games with you, um, drag you along and then not do anything. And then um, you don't typically hear the sadness unless you stop and talk with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of watch them unfold and kind of break down, which may happen maybe I would say 10% of the time. I try to avoid that as much as possible. What, what, just come- it's, it's not a fun experience.
2: Right. I mean, how often when you're doing this do you have people just break down and cry on the phone?
0: Oh, I mean, I would say at least once a week. I, like I said, I only do it part-time, though, and, you know, it's, it's not a situation you really want to get involved in. Because, I mean, as far as the, the business side of it goes, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the emotional part of it, it drags you down. I mean, it's very hard to – if somebody breaks down and pours their life out to you and then, you know, you work out something, you don't work out something, the second you hang up that call – you have maybe 5 seconds until the next call picks up, depending on how fast that dialer's moving. You might you might only have 5 seconds somebody else is there and you got to talk to them. It's very hard to just flip that off and then start, start talking to the next person. Right. Right. So I think it, it's almost a defense mechanism. Yeah, you, know, you kind of turn off some you have to turn off some part of you that you can't put yourself in everybody's shoes. You know, I don't I don't think anybody in the world has the emotional capacity to listen to you know, 40, pe- 40 horror stories of people every day and be able to continue out their own life. I mean, it's very mentally demanding. Right, right.
2: Are there other things that you have to do to manage your own emotions? Like, how- talk about that.
0: You know, it, w- when I first started, um, I was I was kind of neutral. Like I said, mixed with a little bit of shock. Um, as I moved on, I started getting angry at everybody. And it was just, you know, a scorched earth campaign. Don't help anybody. Just get the money. Uh, then after a while, you realize you're losing a bit of your humanity, <laughs> so you kind of regroup. I'm not an angry person by nature. Mm-hmm. Nat- naturally, I I don't get angry much at all. So I think I realized that there was at some point you're kind of looking at yourself going, "This just isn't me. I'm more agitated now. I t- I'm kind of taking it home with me. This is not ideal. This is not optimal. This is not how I want to be."
2: And and what do you think is going on there in, like, I can, I guess, is it just simply like you're getting so much anger and venom over the phone that you don't, that that, the sort of like the only option is to sort of reflect it back at people? Is that, is that what's happening? Yeah,
0: I, I think, um, you know, it's, they're all highly charged, um, conversations. They're all very emotional. I mean, your job is to make people realize their own faults and, you know, they like to make you realize yours too, if they get a chance. So, um, you know. There's been a lot of people who make fun of and swear and yell at you. I mean, your natural reaction, your, your human reaction is to yell back, to fight back. Um, you know, as, as far as um, feeling bad for people, I mean, I would say there's a very small percentage, maybe 10%, maybe less than that every month, who I legitimately feel bad for. And you're talking people who have had everything in the world go wrong. Like, it's the Book of Job. Their whole world's falling apart. My son killed himself... You know, I my biz. I went out of business. My customers went bankrupt, couldn't pay me. My wife left me, and this is all one person. And it's you know, all I get is Social Security now. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Have a good day. You're, I mean, there's not, you know, I'm not gonna harp on them.
2: There's nothing you can do. You you just say, okay, thanks. We're closing. I'm, I'm not
0: gonna I'm not gonna bother them. You know, what I mean, they're charged off. You know, I'm not gonna take any. I'm not gonna waste any of their what little income they have paying off a charged off credit card. You know, the rest of them, it's, I spoke with a guy, he was in California. He had, it was, the, I was calling on a second mortgage, I think it was a home equity line of credit. Um, it was about 200, $250,000. And he just called in one day, or I, I got in touch with him and he goes, I can't pay this, I need help. He was, um, three payments passed due. So I go, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, what's going on? He goes, well, I was a real estate agent and, you know, I'm just not making any money anymore. You know, you know, it was housing markets down, can't sell a house. Okay, well, let's pull your credit report. Let's go over your expenses. So we go over his expenses, and it's everything stopped paying at the same time. When he stopped paying us, everything has stopped being paid. How, his first mortgage, um, one of his car loans, his credit cards, it all stopped. And it was about, you know, like I said, three months before that. So I looked at a it little, a little more closely, and you see, like, it was like Mercedes or Lexus Financial, something like that, and it was... Four, you know, four months ago, one month before he stopped paying everything, he bought like a forty thousand dollar car, and that was the only bill he was paying. So I asked him, I go, well, you know, how come you're paying this, which you bought five months ago? You know, how, why would you buy that in the first place if you knew you were having problems? Second of all, how come that's all you're paying? And he didn't like this, and he said, you wouldn't understand. I need it for work, and he hung up. Never <sighs> spoke to him again. It's like, okay. I mean, it's how do you expect a bank to lower your monthly payment on your mortgage when you're driving around in a Mercedes or a Lexus?
2: Well, clearly you don't understand. You I, I don't for get work.
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> I drive a Cavalier. It gets me to work.
2: Um, so do you have a credit card now?
0: Yeah, I had a couple of credit cards. Do you
2: have a balance?
0: I do. I do. Um, some of them, not all of them, do. I gotta balance on a couple of them though.
2: That doesn't sound very <laughs> responsible.
0: Well, you know, I had to buy books in college and I couldn't pay them all back right away.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Are and, you, you- know, yeah. and, and sometimes you make irrational decisions when you're drinking.
2: <laughs> it strikes me that like sometimes it's funny like you, you, know, you and I are joking about it, but like people talk about like debt a little mm-hmm. bit like a drug, like something that you use and you use too much. And I mean do, well, do you s-
0: absolutely is yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there's plenty of parallels there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it affects the same parts of the brain. It's, it, you know, it doesn't seem like um, it. It's one of those things that um, if you look, it, it, human beings, whenever there's isn't immediate feedback to their decisions, they typically have a hard time correcting when they make bad decisions. So, like with a credit card, you know, even if you don't pay it, it's going to be 30 days before you get a late charge. You know, it, it's going to be eight months before it charges off. You know, what I mean, it's, so it's you know, there's not instant feedback, so without instant feedback, it's hard to correct for that bad behavior.
2: Hmm. God, I never thought about that. It's true, though, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, that you never, you know, yeah, behavioral finance, you know. Uh huh. And so, I mean, so I mean, do, do, you know, we regulate drugs, we regulate other things mm-hmm. like that. Do do you, do you feel like what's happened? Do you feel like that's a, that in in a sense that we should be regulating I, I it think, more?
0: I think that. um If you're going to regulate it more, you want to regulate it smarter, uh, you know, not more regulation, smart regulation, which there seems to be a complete lack of in a lot of these realms. But um, I think you have a lot of people who are getting credit cards, getting mortgages or option R mortgages or, you know, NAGAM mortgages or car loans, and they don't even understand how interest works. They don't understand the risk-return tradeoff. I I think that those concepts – Simple interest, compounding interest, the idea that if you're riskier, you have to pay more. If those basic financial concepts, if people were learning these coming out of high school, then you would probably be able to avoid a lot of this um, if it was really ingrained. I mean, to me, it's as simple as, you know, multiplication, and division, maybe mm-hmm. fractions. You know what I mean? It's, but, you know, when there's such a knowledge gap. If, if you don't understand how compounding interest works or you don't, even just simple interest, if you don't understand how that works, should you have a credit card? that you know uses the you know 60-day average balance and it's a revolving line of credit, I mean, that's a little bit more complicated than that. Should you have a credit card? Should you have a car loan? If you really don't know how that works, if you don't know how all those consequences work, I, I mean, me personally, I would say no. That's just personal responsibility. Um, but it would make it very hard to function in society. So mm-hmm. I, is, do you need regulation? Um, a little bit more might help, but I think it would do, you'd be doing a much more, a much greater service to society if you just taught people how this actually works.
1: Man, Alex, I thought I had a, the worst job in college. do <laughs> yeah. not envy him.
2: Yeah. What was your job in college?
1: I worked, I, I was basically a secretary for this, for the rental car office of the college for the most emotionally unstable woman in the planet.
2: Right. So I guess you take your job and multiply it by the entire country of the United States of <laughs> right, America. That's like his job. Right. <laughs> yeah. The
1: population of the US is my <laughs> one unstable boss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, John Kovil actually wrote us an email, right? That's how you, that's how you ended up talking with him?
2: Yes. And in- exactly. Yeah, he wrote it to us uh, at uh planetmoney@npr.org.
1: And we love to hear about your strange jobs or your normal jobs that you have interesting insights about or your life experiences. PlanetMoney at NPR.org. Our website is NPR.org slash money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Waltz.
2: And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thanks for listening.